We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to a new episode of the Music City Audible Podcast, brought to you by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. We are coming to you on this Monday night, a little early taping here for our Super Bowl week show. I'm Justin Graver. Joining me, as always, Justin Mello. We got some stuff to talk about. How's it going? Doing well, Graver. Uh, you you got a fun week ahead of you, huh? You've got NFL honors on Thursday. Thursday, you're going to the Super Bowl, I believe. What's that been like? What's that experience been like this week? Yeah, it's been pretty fun, pretty crazy. We're actually at Radio Row every day this week for work. So at the convention center with all the media outlets that exist in the world that are covering the Super Bowl here, a huge room, and we got a cool set for our podcast. So yeah, it's pretty fun. So we do have a lot to talk about today. We got a little bit of news here. The biggest piece of news that concerns the Titans, which is Tim Kelly joining the offensive staff. We'll talk about his role, what to expect, what changes to expect, and what changes maybe you are expecting that you shouldn't expect. We'll get into all that. And Justin's going to give us some takeaways from the Senior Bowl this past weekend, run through some position groups the Titans might be interested in, quarterbacks, receivers, tight ends, even some offensive linemen, edge rushers, of course. So we'll get to that. But first, while we're talking about the Titans coaching staff, that staff coached the AFC Pro Bowl team over this weekend. I know everybody probably watched the Pro Bowl with Kevin Byard nabbing an interception. A really funny moment with the announcers. I know nobody cares about the Pro Bowl, but pretty funny moment where they're basically playing two-hand touch. Like the refs blow the whistle on first contact. It's like, it's crazy how soft the Pro Bowl is nowadays. But there was one play where Harold Landry is playing defense out and he like wraps up the running back. And as soon as he touches him, they blow the whistle and he like, there's hardly any contact on the play. And the announcer goes, thrown to the ground by Harold Landry. And it's pretty funny. And then one more moment for Jeffrey Simmons. Gets a pass deflection covering a running back. Interesting defensive play call there. And the announcers gave him credit and said, this guy should have made the Pro Bowl without being a reserve who got upgraded. So pretty cool for all three Titans. Bayard, did I say he got an interception? Pretty cool. Well, Roger Saffold was there too, right? Yeah. So there's four yeah. Pro Bowlers for the I Titans? Didn't see, I didn't notice Roger Saffold. They barely run the ball in the Pro Bowl because of the two-hand touch contact thing. So fun stuff there, but again, nobody cares about the Pro Bowl. I did make a funny joke on Twitter. Mike Vrabel got his first win in February as a head coach. Woohoo! We did it, Titans fans. We made it. Not- Terrible joke, Graver. <laughs> Terrible joke. Not quite the win we were hoping for, but hey, a win's a win. I, right? think, I think the wound was still too fresh for that one. <laughs> Um, anyway, let's get into some real talk here. Something else happened over the weekend, the senior bowl and you know, us music city audible. It is unfortunately draft season for the Titans and we love the draft. We're going to cover the draft extensively. Justin Mello's already interviewed or lined up interviews with plenty of prospects. Some of them played in the senior bowl. So why don't you give us a few names who stood out this past weekend to you, maybe some quarterback performances. I know Titans fans are interested in that. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think I'll start with the quarterbacks and it is an interesting week for several of these quarterbacks. I think we're dealing with a lot of what I like to call confirmation bias, right? I think a lot of people kind of came out of the senior bowl with these quarterbacks and, and, and they saw exactly what they wanted to see. 
heading into the week, right? Something that could reaffirm, you know, reaffirm their opinion, so to speak. And I don't know that there's a lot to take away from the quarterback performances. I think it, if it, if it did anything for me, it sort of continued to establish that I don't think this class is very strong at the quarterback position. Um, I've seen some flack for Kenny Pickett, Pittsburgh's Kenny Pickett, who I think entered the week as probably the QB one. And I don't, I will say this. I don't think Pickett really deserved that flack. I think and I spoke to a couple of scouts after the senior bowl. I think the best way to describe Pickett's week is that it was very safe. I think he went out there. He had, you know, mostly clean practices. I know he struggled with the weather at some points and there was a lot made about his hand size because he didn't measure in the hands at, at the weigh in and everyone knows he's got small hands. So of course that made its rounds on social media, but I don't think Kenny Pickett had a bad week. I don't think Kenny Pickett did anything to hurt his stock. I think he had a safe week. I think he is who he is. And I, I, I hate making comparisons, but I, I don't want, and don't take this the wrong way. It's not a, a stylistic or player comparison, but he's almost the Mac Jones of this draft class where I think the ceiling probably isn't super high, but the basement is a lot higher. If you know what I mean, right? Like, I think he's going to get you by some of his strongest assets are his football IQ and the way he reads the game and process it processes and delivers the ball. Um, so I think Kenny Pickett has a really safe floor and I think he had a safe week at the senior bowl. Malik Willis, of course, was all the rage uh, following a senior bowl. That's not shocking given his natural athletic tools and his natural athletic abilities. We saw a lot of eye popping runs from him. The athletic ability is through the roof. I, I think my colleague at the draft network, Joe Marino summed up Malik Willis really well. I think it was day two of practice when, when Joe Marino said, uh, Malik Willis had the five best throws of the day and the five worst throws of the day. And if you watch his tape, you, you get that same feeling, right? He's that it's kind of all or nothing with him. And I, I think the senior bowl is probably more of the same. There's a lot of talk about him rising up now because of the performances that he had. Look, I think if you're willing to, to roll the dice on a guy that obviously has high level tools and a lot of upside, then Malik Willis is probably going to be your guy, right? And especially if you're aiming for that home run, you don't want to settle for that clean single that Kenny Pickett's going to hit you every time he comes up to bat, right? If you're looking for the 35, 40 home run hitter or the guy that strikes out, uh, Malik Willis is probably going to be your flavor. So uh, that's sort of how I feel about the quarterbacks. I thought Desmond Ritter had one day that was really bad in particular, and then he looked a lot better the next day. I thought Sam Howell was Sam Howell. thought he quietly had a good week. I thought Carson Strong, a lot of love for Carson Strong in Titans Nation. One of my colleagues, Chrissy Freud, uh, mentioned that he had talked about meeting with the Titans and thought the meeting with the Titans went well. So we have that little nugget. I thought Carson Strong was okay, I'll be honest. I think he was kind of a level below those other signal callers, and it's why he's probably not going to go as early as they are right? Some of those other guys uh, at the top. So I, I don't think there was a lot to figure out with this quarterback class at the senior bowl. I don't think the picture is any more clear now than it was before the senior bowl. I think that's just the nature of this class. I mean, which guys made themselves from some money. I can, I can talk here all day. So excuse me, cause I'll probably forget some, but uh, Christian Watson, the wide receiver from North Dakota state had a huge week. This is a guy that came into the senior bowl needing to prove a lot, obviously, dominated competition at his level, but you needed to see it against power five opposition. And he did just that. This is a receiver that's six foot four and is extremely fluid in his movements. He moves so well for his size and he looked really good against those power five DBs. I think he's at a point now where 
we have a clear cut group, I think of uh, receivers at the top of this class. And I'm not going to, I'm not saying in order here, but that top tier of receivers includes, you know, the, the Ohio state, of course, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson. I think you've got Traylon Burks from Arkansas. You've got uh, Jahan Dotson from Penn state's probably in that group. Who am I missing here? Jamison Williams, uh, from Alabama. And I think last but not least, Drake London from USC, right? I think those guys make up tier one of top five or six receivers. As you get into tier two, I think Christian Watson potentially, potentially elevated himself into that group. You know, I think you're looking at John Mechie from Alabama, who's obviously dealing with an injury. Uh, David Bell is another guy that I think is in that group. Perhaps George Pickens from Georgia, maybe Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama, who also had a pretty good week. But I think Christian Watson was so good at the senior bowl. I think he's up into that group where you might see him uh, go on, on day two. And by day two, I actually, I mean, second round, I, I think potentially based on his performance. I think a lot of the defensive tackles, a lot of these pass rushers had really good weeks. Uh, Perrion Winfrey uh, from Oklahoma had a really big week, was almost unblockable out there. This is a guy that the tape has a lot of flashes, former Juco uh, guy, transfer um, was a little inconsistent at Oklahoma. He was a bit of a rotational guy. He was not an every down player, uh, but he was excellent at the senior bowl. So I think he's a guy, I think you started this process with him maybe in the rankings of between 60 to 75. And now I think maybe you're talking even in the forties well, with the kind of week he had uh, Travis Jones from Connecticut is one of my, been one of my favorite players to watch on tape. He's a nose tackle, like 330 pounds. He was unbelievable in mobile, such a good player, such good tape. 330 pounds, but man, he's got surprising juice as a pass rusher. I love watching Travis Jones. I loved watching him at the senior bowl. I think he's an excellent underrated prospect uh, that we need to talk about more throughout this uh, process. God, I can go on and on. Jermaine Johnson from FSU uh, clearly, I think, established himself as a first round pick and maybe even worked himself into the edge three conversation, right? I think between him and George Karloftis, I think now that that's a legitimate debate. Uh, for who's the third pass rusher off the board, maybe as early as, you know, somewhere between 10 to 15 overall uh, with the Eagles picking in that range. I think the uh, the Jets have a pick in that range. Even the Giants, maybe as high as, I think they have six and seven back-to-back picks or something. I think, you know, he can't go too high with the week he had. The the rusher from Minnesota, I, I, I forgive me, I can't recall how to pronounce his name, Boya Mafe, I think it is, had a really big week, was really unblockable, was terrific. Uh, who else? Damian Pierce, the running back, had a great week. Isaiah Likely, the tight end. I, I think you're a bit of a fan, Raver. Coastal Carolina. He had a good week because, again, that's another guy coming from a small school that had to prove that he could handle uh, you know, the, the opportunity to go up against Power 5 competition. That tight end race is, is, is uh, tight, man. It's really tough to say who's going to end up as tight end one. Trey McBride, I think, went in as the consensus tight end one, but he was, you know, he didn't have a bad week, but I don't think he blew the lid off the thing either. Whereas likely was a lot more consistent, made a lot more plays up the seam, showed his ability also to get vertical, make plays after the catch. I also thought Jeremy Ruckert, right? The Ohio state tight end kind of flashed his athletic ability as a pass catcher throughout the week. And that wasn't always obvious on tape at Ohio state, right? He was way down the pecking order in that offense, right? He's a, he's an inline blocker. He's a guy that's more traditional, but there's some underrated athletic tools there that didn't always pop because they didn't throw him a ton of balls. That's why he's the kind of guy that has a chance to be better. Right. I think in the NFL specifically as a pass catcher, he looked good in mobile. God, I'm, I'm sure I'm forgetting a bunch, but I, think I'm probably rambling now and hopefully that's some pretty good information for our listeners, but a lot of guys, I, I, I always think these environments are, 
sort of set up for edge rushers and wide receivers to thrive, right? So I think sometimes we can get a little carried away with it because look, look what everyone I just said, right? Travis Jones, Perrion Winfrey, Jermaine Johnson, Christian Watson. When we're all standing around watching these guys go one-on-one, let's be honest. We all want to see the receiver make the big play, right? In that scrimmage. We all want to see the edge rusher beat the tackle around the edge and, and go after the quarterback. So these one-on-one environments, you know, where the offensive line, they don't have help. There's no communication with five guys up front. These are, they're created man for receivers and, and D linemen to look good. So I think sometimes we do get carried away. And funny enough, if you were to talk about, Oh, who are some losers? You probably point at some offensive linemen first. Well, these guys were kind of thrown to the wolves, right? Bernard Raymond, the, the small school tackle, Daniel Falele, the Minnesota tackle is 400 pounds, 6'8". They, they, they had tough weeks, but again, it's not you know, typically an environment for them. On the flip side, I thought Zion Johnson from Boston College, a guard prospect, I think he's a, potentially even a back-end first-round guy. I thought he was terrific. I thought uh, Dylan Parham, a local uh, Memphis uh, interior offensive lineman, was really good as well, two of the better-performing O-linemen, so... A lot of takeaways from there. Combine's only three weeks away, though, right? So we're going to get to look at that and reinforce some of our beliefs, readjust and, and sort of analyze the numbers all over again. So uh, it was a really uh, good, strong week and uh, looking forward to how it sort of uh, moved the process and moved the needle forward. Yes, thank you. Very comprehensive list there. Really good recap of the senior bowl and some guys that Titans fans just start to get familiar with. It's- and, and, and shout out to the guys, by the way, sorry, that had great East-West Shrine Bowls. True. Uh, uh, Gene DeLance, the offensive tackle from Florida. Terrific length, really good feet. He had a really strong week out there. I think DeLance is a day three prospect. And oh, Titans fans all want to know about tight ends. What about, was it Jelani Woods? I think it was a tight end. God, he's a monster. And he looked so good running routes up the seam and making big plays. Former quarterback that switched positions to tight end. And the intrigue on him is through the roof. He's one of the best guys there. So those two guys really stuck out for me at the East-West Shrine game. Nice, yes. Don't forget the East-West Shrine game. That was last Thursday, the Senior Bowl last Sunday. So great stuff there. On the draft department, we will get more and more into draft season as it gets closer. After the Super Bowl, we'll really start assessing that, along with Titans free agency needs and uh, some Titans priorities in terms of impending free agents to re-sign. So we'll get into all that stuff starting after the Super Bowl. Let's move now and talk about the biggest news that happened this past week for Titans fans, which was the team deciding to bring on Tim Kelly, former offensive coordinator for the Houston Texans the brother of former Titans tackle Dennis Kelly. That's the most important little nugget about Tim Kelly. And a former co-worker of Mike Vrabel, Anthony Midget, Shane Bowen, and everybody else that came from Houston to the Titans when Mike Vrabel was... The named. new uh, the new inside linebackers coach. Yes. Uh, uh, what's his name? Bob Bobby Kelly, I think his name is. And uh, yeah, and all, the, and all the players that have been in Houston as well. So let's get into it here. Um... A lot to expect, I think, from the Tim Kelly hire, and if you want to know every little detail, I would suggest you head over to broadwaysportsmedia.com, check out the excellent article put together by Zach Lyons, has tons of information, and as he put it on Twitter, a few spelling errors, but hey, you can you can get past those pretty easily because it's a lot of great info on Tim Kelly. There's a couple things that really stood out to me that I want to take away. I don't want to give away the whole article, so I'm just going to draw attention to some things that I found particularly interesting one thing is the way that zach put this note that i think is really well said we talked a lot about this on the last episode how 
and their press conferences, Mike Vrabel put a lot on execution, especially when it came to like opening drive success. And and they've backed Ryan Tannehill over and over again. John Robinson continues to back Ryan Tannehill publicly. He did it the strongest he has yet in an article that we that came out on Sunday by Ben Arthur for the Tennessean talking about how Ryan Tannehill is the Titans quarterback. So all is to say, we were kind of saying that the coaching staff was putting it more on the players and the injuries and less on the coaching, right? Well, here's what Zach said that I, that I really agree with is bringing in Kelly signals that Downing does in fact share some of this blame and responsibility for the way the offense performed this year. And that's completely true because you don't bring in another, a coach, not just as an offensive assistant, but his official title is offensive assistant slash passing game coordinator. So they're, that means they're taking some duties off the shoulders of Todd Downing and handing them to Tim Kelly and who knows what else they'll share. Yeah, I think both things can be true, right? I think Vrabel could give Todd Downing a vote of confidence, which, I mean, he did, he kept them, but also realize that some change is necessary. Look, again, I think I've said it every three, four weeks running now, but he did the same thing last year where he kept Shane Bowen but he still brought in uh, Jim Schwartz, right? So I, I think it's a very similar situation. Uh, but with Kelly in particular, if he does hold the passing game coordinator title, it, it would indicate that he's more heavily involved, right? Like you said, uh, and he's probably even more heavily involved on the offensive side of the ball than Schwartz is on the defensive side of the ball, right? Being a senior defensive assistant. But you, you'd figure that the passing game coordinator is pretty involved right? in, in putting that thing together. So uh, I, I'm excited about the addition. I will say that I think Tim Kelly's a, a pretty good offensive coach. We talked about him, you and I, a few weeks ago before we had any idea he'd be joining the Titans. Uh, Deshaun Watson has consistently uh, backed him and, and praised him in press conferences throughout the years, uh, dating back to you know 2019, 2020, and, and so on. Yeah, Deshaun Watson, actually, I got a quote right here, uh, tweeted by Rivers McCown on January 4th of 2021. Deshaun Watson says he wants offensive coordinator Tim Kelly back. Quote. Tim, as in Tim Kelly, over the past two years has really taken my game to a whole nother level. Understanding run points and run schemes, understanding, especially this year, you know, the best football I've played in my career. So Watson, career year in 2020 under Tim Kelly. And I think you're right. The uh, He is a good coach who's going to bring something new to the passing game, which makes you think, are they going to install new concepts in the in the offseason? Like this could be a reconfiguration of of the offensive passing attack that has been so, so heavily based on play action since, honestly, Matt LaFleur took over as offensive coordinator and especially under Art Smith with Ryan Tannehill. Last year, the Titans' play action rate took a dip. That's included in Zach's article. Interestingly, um, Tim Kelly didn't use play action all that much with the Houston Texans, but one other area he significantly better than anything the Titans have done is the explosive pass play rate. And I know you have some thoughts on this, but this is really interesting to me. The Titans were 29th in the league last year in explosive pass play rate. Obviously, A.J. Brown and Julio Jones missed nine games combined. Like, there was a lot of injuries going on here. So the the passing, the receiving core wasn't the strongest to work with in terms of generating those explosive plays. But it felt like even when A.J. Brown was healthy and out there, he wasn't doing the same kind of, he wasn't making the same big catch and run plays that he was making under Arthur Smith the previous year. 
there just wasn't it wasn't there as much and it, even like the route combinations where he was able to score long touchdowns in 2020 seemed to not be there as often in 2021 so a lot different explosive play rate for the titans this past year well in 2020 the last time tim kelly had a legitimate quarterback aka deshaun watson not Ta- davis mills and tyrod taylor the texans ranked first in explosive pass play rate in the entire nfl that's a huge Jump and a huge margin better than what the Titans were able to do last year. But you know what's even crazier? Is that last year, with Davis Mills and Tyrod Taylor as the quarterbacks, the Texans still ranked 23rd in explosive pass plays. The Titans were 29th. So they're better than what Ryan Tannehill was able to do last year with Tyrod Taylor and Davis Mills. I think we could see a nice increase in the Titans' ability to generate explosive pass plays with Tim Kelly as the passing game coordinator. I think the fact that the Texans ranked better in uh, explosive pass player rate in 2021 than the Titans did should give you some excitement that Tim Kelly's coming over here because although I recognize that Julio Jones, A.J. Brown were hurt, you look at what Tim Kelly was working with in Houston. I mean, healthy or not, I mean, Davis Mills, Tyrod Taylor, the receiving core was awful outside of Brandon Cooks. No excuses for the Titans to be worse in that department than the Texans were a year ago, but they were. So there is reason to have hope that Tim Kelly is probably going to improve that unit. And I I think that he will. The only thing I will say, and I don't mean to, to throw a wet blanket on this, is that this is what Deshaun Watson does is he creates off script and he throws 20, 30, 40 yard bombs. So I wonder how much of that had to do, uh, how much of that success had to do with Watson. Probably a fair bit of it. But with that said, I do expect Tim Kelly to improve this unit. Yeah, agreed. Can you agree with that? Do you see where I'm coming from? Uh, like, this is No question. I mean, yes, Tim Kelly might be able to influence Ryan Tannehill's like, maybe. I mean, this is a veteran 30-something-year-old quarterback we're talking about, so I don't know how much you're changing his like habits when a play breaks down. But he might be able to like – get the scramble drill to go deep more often or so, who knows, you know, in, in those workouts in the off season when they're installing this new, the new passing concepts. But yeah, I agree. For the most part, you attribute that to Deshaun Watson being the playmaker that he is keeping his eyes downfield, extending plays and launching it deep, a catchable ball deep to players like Will Fuller, who's a great downfield threat, you know? So that's, that's definitely uh, Andre Hopkins for a lot of that time too. Yeah, well, not 2020, but yes. Uh, yes. But yeah, for sure. So, I agree with that, but there's one other thing I want to bring up, and that's opening drive success. We talked about it last week, variable execution, blah, 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 yada, yada. The Titans only scored two touchdowns on opening drives in 2021, and they scored one field goal. So they had three successful opening drive touchdowns, two, sorry, three successful opening drives, two for touchdowns, and 14 that ended in a punt, a turnover, or a turnover on downs. In 2021, with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback and Todd Downing calling, scripting, and then calling those plays. The Texans, meanwhile, scored five opening drive touchdowns and converted one field goal. That is a lot more than the Titans did. That's six scores compared to Titans scoring three times. Now, I know there's a lot of, like, it's a small sample size. It's only 16 or 17 games. It's not like a huge amount of chances to score in your opening drive. But how about this? How about yards per opening drive? Well, this is all in Zach's article. The Texans managed to average 36 yards per opening drive last year, 12th most in the NFL. The Titans averaged, this is insane to me, the Titans averaged 16 yards per opening drive, worst in the NFL. 
That's awful. That's damning evidence right there. I think Tim Kelly is going to come in and like maybe not make them the best opening game script team, but at least improve that department because this, I mean, Todd Downing, credit to him, obviously made some in-game adjustments that worked because the Titans offense averaged more than 16 yards per drive this year. <laughs> but damn, you got to start games That's, better than I mean, that. <laughs> you look at Kyle Shanahan and the success the San Francisco 49ers pretty routinely have with their opening scripts and how well designed they are. And I always give him so much credit for that. I think he's such a brilliant coach. We saw it against the Titans in primetime. That that opening San Francisco drive was unbelievable. Meanwhile, the Titans took, you know, two quarters to even move the ball freaking 10 yards down the field, it felt like, right? So you, you saw it pop up time and time again. Uh, I, I do think Tim Kelly is going to make this thing better. I mean, heck, it almost can't get worse, right? It's like It's like how the defense couldn't get worse, right? Heading into this year. I also hope, and I don't want to get into all this, but you talked about some of the passing concepts. I think some of the, you know, the depth of routes, spacing, I think a lot of those concepts can get better. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. So I think that does it. We did it. This is a good off-season episode before the Super Bowl. Super Bowl preview. Who you got? Who you got in the big game? Let's finish it with that. I have a feeling about the Bengals, but I'm still going to pick the Los Angeles Rams. I, I don't think they can blow this opportunity at home. I will go Rams 34-27. 34-27, high-scoring game. I, I think that I am going to pick the Bengals out of the team that I think is just like a team of destiny. Joe Burrow, second-year quarterback, joining such greats as Kurt Warner, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, and yes, Russell Wilson, Ryan Clark, in winning a Super Bowl in their second season. So I got Bengals 24-20. I think it's a little lower scoring than you have there. So let's see what happens. All right, that'll do it here for the Music City Audible podcast. Thanks to all who tuned in to this episode previewing the Super Bowl. Just kidding, we didn't preview the Super Bowl, really. I mean, we kind of did. All right, whatever. We're getting out of here. You guys stay safe out there. Follow Justin on Twitter at JustinM underscore NFL. I am at Titans Film Room. We'll be back next week to start talking about the Titans offseason, free agency needs, free agents that they shouldn't let go. We're going to have a whole little series on it just like we did last year. Get ready for that and get ready for free agency and the draft because the NFL cycle never stops and we're going to keep on going. We'll be back next week. Until then, you guys stay safe and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.